0: Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. are just one of the most amazing creations. And, and can I just tell you that we were the crown of creation? You know, we don't hear that enough. You know, we were the completion of what was incomplete. And so, no offense to the one male who's in the room.
1: <laughs> I have much respect for men, but I know you
0: love women too. He <laughs> gave me the thumbs up. Okay, I have won him over. So I'm excited to be here. Um, many of you, i, I I've coming to Cincinnati off and on for about four years, um, and it's so fun because um, honestly, I travel all over the United States and get a, a chance to do lots of conferences and be the keynote speaker in a lot of different places, but the one place I've actually not really ever done any keynote speaking is actually in Cincinnati. Um, so this is actually the first time that I've really actually taken the stage in Cincinnati. Um, so this is an exciting moment for me. I originally did start by writing at conferences for women. Um, it then grew. I do speak for men as well, um, and they love it just as much as men women do. Um, but I have a heart for coming and speaking to women, and so I'm so excited to be able to be here. Um, If you've seen some of my products in the back, most of the books that I have written were actually originally conferences. Um, I usually do an annual conference, usually come out with a hot topic, whatever it is. Last year was to love and to be loved, establishing healthy relationships, talking a lot about how what causes a lot of brokenness ends up into broken situations. That I'm a certified counselor, certified life coach, but also and the founder of, of a ministry where we house women and children for a long-term time of stay. And the one thing that I have found that often um, causes women or men to be in a broken situation, whether it's broken emotionally, mentally, spiritually, circumstantially, financially, is the inability to establish healthy relationships. And can I tell you that at the core of that is the inability to have a a great understanding, a foundation of who we are in Christ. And that's what we're here talking about tonight, right? That's what we're talking about today is what does it look like to walk in the fullness of who we've been created to be in Christ and be extremely feminine in the process. Can I just say that? Because I think sometimes as women we think that to be a warrior means I need to look a little bit more like a man. Uh, But God hasn't called us to look masculine as we go forth in the courage and the boldness that God has given to us, He has called us to be able to do it wearing stilettos if we want to wear stilettos, wearing a pencil skirt if we're wearing a pencil skirt, and or wearing a, a, big, uh, a diaper bag over our shoulder. Um, that's how God has called, called us to be. And so I want to take some time today to talk to you um, about four women in the Bible. And so, uh, you know, Susie, She sent me an email and kind of shared a little bit about what, of course, we've had a chance over the last couple months um, to get to know each other, and I've had the opportunity to get to know her heart, and uh, when she's like, I want you to just kind of come and speak to these women about who they are in Christ and their identity, I was like, oh, that's so broad, because that's what I'm always doing, right? And so it's almost like, you know, when somebody kind of says, the sky is the limit on a message, it's almost kind of a little bit harder, because it's like, oh, God, what message do I pick? Because that's what I've been doing for the last 12 years, is talking to women about who they are in Christ. And so God was so sweet to just, throughout the week, to just kind of narrow it down. And so I'm very excited about the message he has for you today. I'm going to start in Colossians. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn it with me. I am um, going to teach a little bit in, in conjunction with a little bit of preach. Um, and so if you have your Bible, if you have your a phone, you can turn to it as well. Or you can just listen. That's great, too. Let me open this up in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We glorify you. We honor you. We recognize your presence in this room, and we call you a God who is good. We thank you, Father, for every word that will be spoken. We thank you for your word that is powerful, that pierces and penetrates and goes beyond, Father, just our mind and our heart, but goes into the depths of our spirit. God, we're calling for more than just a touch from your word today. We're calling for the transforming power. God, that our our eyes would be opened, our ears would be opened, and our minds would be changed and our heart would be transformed, Father, by the touch of a supernatural love. We thank you, God, that we can find ourselves at home in your presence. And we thank you, God, that you grace us day in and day out with the fullness of who you are. Living and breathing indwelling in each each one of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so I'm in Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to start with this verse, and it says this, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. I love this passage because it's giving us a, 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 it's, it's an encouragement in the form of kind of like beware, right? So we know that when God comes to us and says beware, he's basically saying, hey, I want to empower you in a particular direction. And he's saying basically that this world will, will bring to you two options. It will bring to you a basic tradition that's uh, based on the principles of the world, the traditions of the world, the philosophies of the world. And the second option is to come into the basic principles of Christ and we live in a world and we're constantly attacked with the message of the world and so the reality is we can have a knowledge of one thing that is true but yet we are attacked bombarded overwhelmed by a totally counterintuitive message by what we know to be true and can I also propose to you that not only do we uh, face the messages of the world but we also face the messages of We face the messages of our wounds, we face the messages of our relationships, we face the messages of our failures, and we also face the messages of even our successes. All of these things trying to basically slap a price tag on us, telling us this is what your value is, this is who you are, this is how much you're worth. And so we live in this world kind of doing this. Going back and forth, back and forth, struggling with what I know to be true, and we as Christian women, knowing what the Word tells us, knowing what the truth says, but yet also this reality of what I'm experiencing, this reality of what I'm feeling, this experiencing, this reality of, of the hurts in my life, and it causes this constant instability, this constant back and forth, this agitation, if we're not rooted in the truth of who Christ is, so sometimes you know, uh, one of the reasons why I started Crazy Ministries is because uh, seven or eight years ago, I was doing a whole lot of traveling. I was going up to Marquette University. I was, I was traveling all over, doing women's conferences, and I was like, oh, this is so much fun. You know, we get to come and stay up late on Friday nights and talk about really good messages, hold hands, sing kumbaya, help each other feel better. We get inspired, and then we go home, and Monday happens. You follow? And I, I, heard the Lord say one day when I was flying home from Marquette uh, after a large conference with a uh, uh, teenage girls, um, I was coming home and I heard the Lord say, you know, um, what does all that stuff mean on Monday? And what does all that stuff mean when you go back to your home? And what does all that stuff mean on, um, you know, on Wednesday when your kids, one of your kids wakes up vomiting and the other one's pooping all over the place? I have six children, by the way. Um, and yes it did all come from my body and I do know what causes it. So that's the questions that people ask me. So
1: they always like, do you know what causes
0: it? I know what causes it. Thank you, I love my and they do all come from the same man, that's usually the third question get. So you've said all the questions in your head other than what does crazy ministries mean and I'll probably share with that with you as well. Um, so but the point is is we we can go and we can stand here. So you know it's easy to feel good when you're in this little bubble. And it's easy to think right
1: when we're in this little bubble.
0: And it's easy to make easy, good decisions when we're in a controlled atmosphere, in a controlled environment. And everything seems so simple when we're in our solitary place, right? And that's not to knock that that's not important and that doesn't play a place, but the reality is if we don't know what that looks like on Monday, then what good is it? If we're not able to take the seeds that are sown into us, through weekend events, weekend retreats, through church on Sunday, whatever it is, and actually sow them into the soil of life, then where's the fruit? And so God began asking me these questions, and I have learned over the years that if God's asking me a question, it's probably because I don't know the answer. Um, And so I don't try to pretend like I know. I'm like, God, just tell me. Stop asking me questions. Stop playing. And so I started seeking out answers from the Lord. And that's one of the reasons he was like, hey, what are you gonna do when these women call you on Monday after the after the event? And they say, Hey, you mentioned from the stage you had clinical depression, the panic anxiety attack for nine years, and I want to know how you got all that. Yes, I hear you saying that God is my deliverer. I hear you saying that God must heal me, I hear you saying that. My mother-in-law doesn't like me and my mother was never happy with me. You follow? And so sometimes we pitch these grand ideas that are true, but they seem so far off because in the meantime, I'm stuck in the reality of life. And so that began this journey for me in saying, how do we connect these dots? How do, we, how do we connect us to where the word of God is relevant to somebody and what they're actually walking through? And so that's where God just began developing um, the counseling ministry and the discipleship ministry and this housing program where we come alongside women on a daily basis and we don't just tell them what to do, we demonstrate for them what to do. We live a life worthy of invitation. We've become sold on our product that you can't help but love it too. Right? And so that's where my first book came out of, was Discipleship from Information, talking about what does it really mean to disciple people?
1: Is it just about
0: giving them information? Because that's not what Christ did. You know, he had a time where he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he would say, now it's time for a demonstration. Let's see what that looks like. And then he would do demonstrations demonstrating what the information told him. one concept that Jesus was doing. And so I thought, how do we design and develop a program for women where we give them the opportunity to see it, do it, and teach it? And that's what our program does. It's a two-year program that these women go through so that when they leave our program, they're not just delivered or walking out of homelessness, but they're ready to do it for somebody else. I'd like to tell you that we have a 98% success rate. Meaning that 98% of the women and children that have come through our housing program are now living above the suburban poverty barriers. They've got education, they've got college education, they've come into
1: their own careers,
0: their children are doing well, they're acclimating society, they're living in their own homes, they've got a driver's license, and they're thriving in their relationship with the Lord. The government can't do that. Can I just say that? I did just say that. And so I'm just telling you that, y'all haven't even started my message yet. And so I'm going to take a look at four women in the Bible, but I wanted to start with Colossians 2 because I want us to understand that there's, what we're going to see is these four women in the Bible that come in and they have one title. And it's a title that the world has slapped on them. And you're going to find that all of these women encounter something very similar, and that's the name of Jesus Christ but they encounter the presence of God. And they come into the scene, and we're going to take a look at how when they come into the scene, there's a particular message, there's a particular identity that is upon them. And when they come out of the scene, they've been completely transformed in a moment. And so I want to start with Hagar. She's a woman who we find in the wilderness. In Genesis 16, y'all don't have to flip around with me because you won't keep up, probably. Um, in Genesis 16, chapter 3, there's a woman named Sarah. We know Abram's wife. Abram's been promised to have a son. They try for uh, you know, X amount of years, and she can't seem to get pregnant. So finally she says, Here, take my mate, my mistress, um, Hagar. And the Bible says, So then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. Listen to the titles that this woman's her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt, dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had she had conceived, meaning when Sarai so, Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Now I would like to propose to you that this woman was sexually abused. Nobody asked her opinion. Nobody asked her if she was okay giving up her body. Nobody asked her that. But she was, she was just assumed, and she was unheard. She was un, had no value. She did not have a voice. You follow? Because we're talking to a lot of women, probably in this very room, who might be in a relationship where you feel like you're very unheard You feel like you have no voice, that you have no opinion. You have no choice in the matter. Perhaps some of you have gone through sexual violation. And you you can connect with Hagar. The Bible goes on to say this. Then Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maiden to your embrace, and when when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes, and the Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. So to to her, do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So here we have Hagar trying to escape this hostile environment, this abuse. First being sexually abused, being unheard, and now being abused, being despised by Sarai. And so she goes, and the Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. He found her where? In her wilderness. I would like to propose to you that when you're in a wilderness, God will find you. And not only did he find her, but he speaks her name. And he says, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. In the message, it says it like this, put up with her abuse. Now, what? this doesn't sound like a very happy story, does it? But here's what I want you to, I'm going to read on. Listen, then it says, then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. He goes on and he speaks this blessing over her and he says, "Then she shall." then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? In the message it says it like this. Yes, he saw me first and then I saw him. Come on. We love because he first loves us. Yes, he saw me first in my wilderness and then I saw him. Some of us feel like just because we can't see God, that his eye is not upon us. And that's just a lie straight from the pit of hell, because I know that the word says that we are the apple of God's eye. That in Psalm 121, it says that he shall never sleep nor shall he slumber, for his eye is always upon
1: you. And just
0: because we are not seeing him or we can't see him in our circumstance or we can't find a way in the middle of the wilderness does not mean that God's eye is not upon us. And so therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roe, observe, it is Kadesh Baret. And I would like to tell you that this is a woman who came into the scene lonely, unseen, without a voice. She was unheard. She was abandoned. She was cast off. She was rejected. She was wounded and she was bruised from sexual abuse and then being harassed. Do you know to despise in the Hebrew means to curse? She was in this showed up in the scene being a cursed person. But I see God shifts and calls for blessed. God speaks to blessing. See, a lot of times we'd be like, oh, we don't want to birth in Ishmael. And I'm like, hold on now. I don't want to birth in Ishmael. I'm going to wait on the work of God. But even Ishmael was is blessed. He became an entire nation. And so even Hagar received the blessing of the Lord. She walked away after that encounter with the Lord. Blessed. Confident. Knowing who she was, seen, and I want you to hear this, her circumstances didn't change, but her identity did. Who she was in a moment was transformed with the encounter of God, even though he sent her back and said, I'm not delivering you from your circumstances, I'm delivering you from this false identity. And a lot of us are waiting for God to deliver us from our circumstances, and I'm going to tell you this, if God is not changing your circumstances, he's changing you. Because he's more interested in changing your heart than he is in changing your circumstances. John chapter 8, the infamous the story of the woman being stoned. I like to call her the accused woman, because it talks about her accusers. We know how the story goes. A woman caught in the act of adultery. This woman was caught in the act of sin. No doubt in our minds, she was guilty. According to Jewish law, she was to be stoned. She was already determined to be no value, no worth, considered worthy of death. That was the Jewish law, no question. And as she's running and fleeing from the scene, trying to escape her sin, She comes face to face with Jesus. And I love this story because we see all kinds of perspectives in the scene. We see the perspective of the religion that was like, oh, no good, no good, no good. We see the the perspective of of the world and sometimes the church where they're like, I'm just not going to get involved. I'm not going to pick up a stone, but I'm not going to stand up for you either there's only one person in the scene that kind of comes in and says, hold up. Hold on. Because Jesus saw something different than everybody else saw. See, her circumstance didn't change.
1: But in a moment when she
0: came into the presence of Jesus Christ, something inside of her shifted. Why? Because he saw the love he had for her. Because he didn't see her in her sin. He didn't see her in her guilt. And he did not accuse her. He goes on to say this, Woman, where are those accusers? Has no one condemned you? That word condemned there in the Greek means to judge somebody worthy of punishment. And then he goes on, she says, No one, Lord, no one? No one? Look at how her perspective changed in a moment. The presence of the Lord transformationally changed her perspective of the situation. They dropped their stones, but they were still standing there. But yet he, she saw nothing, no accusation. She saw no guilt. She saw none of that. Because the love of God, the glory of the Lord, canceled the presence of the world. And he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Here we have a woman who was dealing with accusation.
1: A woman who came
0: into the scene who was guilty, fearful, accused, condemned, worthy of death, no value. But she walked away. She walked away with a knowledge saying, no one's accusing me. No one's condemning me. No one's got a stone. Can I tell you that Christ can come into the scene and he can say every enemy can drop its stone. The world can drop its stone. I don't pick up a stone. But sometimes we pick up our own stones and we throw them at ourselves and we accuse ourselves, especially in a case like this where she really was guilty. That's hard to overcome. But Jesus wants to transform that moment. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. I like to call this woman the adulterous woman. Because she was, she, or not, I apologize, I like to call this woman the ashamed woman. She was an ashamed woman. Why? Because she came to the well when nobody else was there. The Bible says that she came at the sixth hour, meaning she came at high noon. See, this was in the desert. It was hot. People didn't go to the well at high noon. It was too hot. She came to the well at noon because she didn't want to be seen, because she was ashamed. The Bible says that she didn't have a husband. In fact, the man that she lived with wasn't her husband, and she had had five men. We know that the story goes that Jesus has this interaction with her and reveals all of these things unto her. She has this revelatory moment where Christ reveals himself to her, and in that moment, something switched. We don't know what it was, but we know that when she came into the scene, when she came into the scene, she was ashamed. She was disconnected from society. She was rejected by the world. Let me tell you this. Sometimes we look at the woman at the well, this is for free. This is outside the message. I'm stepping outside the message. (laughs) Oh no, she's gonna go over. Uh, This woman, we often hear her about being the woman who's adulterous. The woman who was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Let me tell you what. Only men in that time frame had the right, in the law, had the right to marry or to divorce. So if she was a divorced woman who had no no husband, that means a man had divorced her. And if she was living with a man who wasn't her husband, that means she was living with a man who wasn't willing to marry her. So what we're talking about here is a woman who was very rejected. Who was looking for love in all the wrong places. And wasn't finding it. And so we have a rejected woman here who comes to the well at noon because she doesn't want to be seen. She's disconnected from society. She's ashamed, she's hidden, she's thirsty, she's husbandless. But she walked away vulnerable, transparent, unashamed, and willing to be seen. And we know that because the Bible goes on to say... And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, meaning Jesus, because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I ever did. Not only did she go back and was willing to be seen at noon, but she was boasting about her past. Because it was not a problem anymore. Why? Because the presence of the Lord made her past irrelevant to her future. There was a shift in that moment. Did her circumstance change? No, it did not. She was still a Samaritan woman. The last woman I like to call Mark chapter foot 5, I like to call her the spent woman. And we know this is the woman that had the issue of blood. Now, mind you, when you had an issue of blood, you had to walk around saying, unclean, I'm unclean. I'm Again, that disconnection. For 38 years, this woman had not been touched. Listen, I've been away from my husband for three or four days. I was laying down back there early and I was like, can somebody just touch me? I just need need to touch. I just need somebody to touch me. I need connection, right? Because we're created for connection. But here's a woman who had walked around and had to proclaim her uncleanness. Come on. There's so much more going on in this She goes and tries to find her healing, tries to find her answers in the ways of the world. The Bible says that she went from doctor to doctor, spent all that she had, but her condition only grew worse. I'm talking to somebody in this room. Because some of us spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money trying to fix things in the ways of the world. And not only is it sucking the life out of us, but our condition is only growing worse. But the Bible says... That there was something in her that when she heard about Jesus, though there was a throng of a multitude and all the obstacles and every opposition was against her, she pressed in with a tenacity and she had thought in her head before she touched his cloak, if I could only just reach out and touch the edge of his cloak, I know that I will be healed. I would like to propose to you that she was healed the moment she made that decision. The Bible doesn't say that. I just like to believe it. Because God says there's a power in her faith. And the fact that this woman had not been touched for 38 years, the fact that this woman had, had been yelling unclean, and that was her identity, chances are she didn't have to yell unclean anymore because the whole town knew it. She would just walk in the room and people would step back. And that perspective, that identity that the world had on her in that moment did not change but she changed. She was a changed woman in a moment, the moment she came in to the presence of Jesus, she was changed. Everything shifted for her. But here's what I want you to hear is in these stories, there is something that is like like in all of these all these stories with these women.
1: And that is in
0: that moment. In that moment, when they came into the presence of Christ, every single one of them was faced with a choice. Every single one of them was ma- was faced with the choice <laughs> as to whether or not they would believe or not believe. And I would like to propose to you that, as women and men, the most powerful weapon we've been given is the power to choose. It's not your gift of prophecy. It's, it's not the ability to discern things. It's not your gift to do really good excels or make really cool videos. It's not your gift to stand up and, and speak a message <laughs> to people.
1: God has put
0: into us free will and it's the ability to choose. And that's why he says, choose for you this day, death or life, blessing or curses. Choose life and it will go well with you. But in every moment, in every situation, in every scenario, there are two messages that you will be facing. <laughs> and it's the message that is counterintuitive what Christ says. And then you will be facing the message of Christ. And in that moment, and I'm talking every second of every day, you have to choose. That's why when he takes them into the promised land, he said, place the blessing on this mountain. Place the curses, it says this in Joshua, place the curses on this mountain. And in the center, you will dwell in the valley. Because he was prophetically, actually geographically positioning them between blessings and curses so on a daily basis they would understand i have two choices i can choose blessing or i can choose curses he gave them a physical manifestation to remind them that this is what life is about life is about understanding the power and the right that we have to choose and to choose life if this woman who was being stoned stood up and looked at the face of christ and said (laughs) I see the love you have for me. I can see it in your eyes. I see that what you see in me is something different than what they see, and I want to believe it. And I believe it's true. I believe you love me, but I can't believe it for myself. So I, I'm just, I'm just gonna thanks, thanks, thanks. But I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta believe what they're saying. I wouldn't be a happy story. It's like the Cinderella story. When she musters up an outfit on her own works, and it's ripped to shreds, right, trying to find her beauty in the ways of the world. And in a moment, a fairy godmother supernaturally transforms her into something that makes her worthy to be dancing with the prince. And it's a transformation that is so changed, she's unrecognizable to her enemies.
1: They don't even recognize
0: her, because it's such a, a supernatural change, but in a moment Is She thinks the prince is going to find out who I really am and my identity is just a housemaid. It's just a, a woman dressed in rags. She flees from the scene. But here's what I love about the story. The prince stops at nothing to chase her down. He pursues her. He finds her. And when he finds her, he finds her in rags. And he doesn't care.
1: He does not care, and he says,
0: if you will have me, I'll take you into, into the castle, and we will live happily forever after. But here's what I want you to hear in that moment, Cinderella had a choice. And if we watched that whole story, it got to the end, and she was like, oh, I see that you really love me. You don't understand, like, these rags. they're just a part of who I am now. And um, I have these, you know, and I just, I'm gonna say, uh, I, I, I love your invitation. And I might come every once in a while, but I'm gonna kinda just stay here. <laughs> that would suck. We would hate that movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but can I tell you that that's what we do? Yeah. yeah. That's what
0: we do on a daily basis. Because every day, God is finding us in our wilderness. He's speaking, up, speaking to us, and he's saying, sweetheart, I see you in the house. And okay. I want you to come back to the castle, and I want you to dance with me. And I want to live happily forever with you for all eternity. And in that moment, I've got to choose. In that moment, I've got to choose. In that moment, I've got to choose. See, so your, identity, your identity is not about knowing who you are. Because if you look at the definition of identity, it says the fact of being who you are. It's the fact of being who you are. See, these women, their greatest weapon was their choice. And the choice that they had to walk in their identity was their armor. See, the armor of God for us is our identity. When we dress ourselves up in the truth of who we are in Christ, that's when we become, that's when we we shift into our warrior wear. That's my weapon, is the confidence that I have that when the enemy comes and says, ooh, did you see the way she just looked at you? That I have the right to say, yeah, I did. And you know what, I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter because there's one eye that I see looking at me. Ooh. Did you, did you hear what your husband just said to you? Yeah, I heard it. I'm not talking about a change in my circumstance. I'm talking about a change in my heart that shifts the way I view my circumstance and the power that I know I have to choose. I can receive that
1: or I can say no.
0: I disagree. When the Bible says that we have the power as disciples in Christ to take up serpents with our hands, that's what it's talking about. Those foul spirits that come at you. Meaning, hey, rejection. I see you and I'm not going to be handling by you, but I have the power to handle you, and you're alive straight from the pit of hell, and I don't agree with that. That's what it means to walk in your identity. It's not just knowing that I have the power, but it's practicing the power. It's not just knowing who I am, but it's being who I am in Christ. Do you know that in the story of David, when he showed up at the battle lines, all of Saul's army, God's children were there, dressed in their armor of God. Yet they shook and rattled and trembled in fear on the sidelines with the inability to advance for the kingdom. One person shows up. His name is David. We call him a lawyer in the kingdom. And he wasn't dressed in the armor, that natural armor. But what he was wearing was the confidence of his identity.
1: See, it wasn't his
0: sling and his stone that cast him. that that hit Goliath and cast him down. It was the name of Jesus Christ and him saying, we are the children of God, and you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the God of all armies. It wasn't a sling and stone that knocked that giant down. It was the name of Jesus and the right that David had to say, you can't have this land because God says it's mine. And it was the authority that he had to be able, that's the identity we're talking about. Man, this is so good. It's so good. We come to these things and we hear about what our identity looks like. And God says, this is our identity. But I'm way over here and I don't know how to get there. Sweetheart, you get there one choice at a time. One choice at a time. You want to
1: walk in victory?
0: You want to live a life in victory? You live a life in victory one choice at a time. I want you to hear me saying this. Today, the greatest power that God has endowed us with is the power to choose. And with it comes the power of the Holy Spirit with the wisdom to know the rights and the name of Jesus upon me with the authority to practice the right.
1: And that's when I show up
0: on the scene and I see demonic activity or I hear demonic activity in my own mind. I hear demonic activity in my mind, ladies.
1: But I I
0: have two choices in that moment. I can engage with the devil. I can agree with the devil. Or I can say, not only do I not agree with you, I'm not even engaging with you because I'm not here to enter into a battle with you. I'm just here
1: to enforce the law. Because I know what the truth says, and God has
0: given me the badge. He's given me the gun, he's given me the name, and I carry the right, just like if a cop would walk in here right there, he would carry the right to enforce law in this room. If he came in here and sat in the back and said, it's time to evacuate this room, nobody would question him. Why? Because he carries the authority of the law. And I want you to know that you carry the authority of the spiritual law in you. Meaning when the devil wants to engage you in a battle, you say, "I'm I'm not battling with you. I'm not here to engage. You will not suck up my emotional energy. You will not suck up my mental energy. And you will definitely not suck up my physical energy. And I will also say this. You will not take my money.
1: Because I'm not here
0: to engage with you. I'm just here to enforce the truth. That's it. It's possible to say, God forgives me. I
1: believe he forgives me. I know he forgives me. Do I forgive myself? I know that God doesn't reject me because he's God. You know?
0: but am I rejecting myself? I know that God doesn't condemn me, but am I condemning myself? Because there's, there's, that's a big step. It's a big step when I begin to move. That means I know my identity, but now I'm gonna step into the act of being who I am. That's the definition of, my, I'm telling you, look it up. It's not just knowing who you are, it's the act of being who you are. And until we like David, see, were Saul's army, were they the children of God? Come on yes the answer is yes. yes they were, I'll help you out. yes they were the children of God was that their identity? Yes. but were they being their identity?
1: No. and therefore they
0: were shaking and rattling and trembling on the sidelines, afraid, cowardice, not understanding the authority that they had to engage against the enemy somebody who was stealing their rights. And it's time that we understand not just our rights, but the power and the authority that we've been given to practice those rights. And to say, in every moment, I'm going to choose. I'm either going to choose to be what I know, or I'm going to choose to know what I know, but not be it. You know, the Bible says that there's a difference between being a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. In fact, it says, if you're a hearer of the word only and not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. Because you think you're something that you're not. You say you're something that you aren't. And if we're going to say that we are the children of God, it's time that we step into the act of being the children of God. And that we don't just wear the armor on the sidelines and saying, look at me all dressed up. I'm girded up for army. I'm girded up for the battle. But not engaging in the battle and saying, I will advance for the kingdom. I'm going to move forward. I am no longer going to sit back. That's what Peter did when he was in the, in the boat when he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, command bid me to that's what I'm I'm not making this up
1: I'm not making it up
0: Jesus didn't say come to me Peter said to Jesus I feel like you guys are get this who does that who looks at God and says God command me to open a shelter How about Moses in the wilderness, saw all the acts and the miracles of God, was given the rod, was given the authority to practice the signs and the miracles, has experienced all the ways of God, but in a moment of unction he says, God, show me your glory. That's bold. And God is shifting us this day. He's shifting us from the place of what we know to who we are. From information to execution. From who I am to the act of being to the act to the act. The act of being who I am. And how do I shift in that place? One choice at a time. One choice at a time. When you're feeling depressed, you have a choice. I know you think you don't. Maybe baby, I maybe baby girl, I know I know you think you don't. I didn't think I had a choice. I thought I just have to be depressed because I have clinical depression. My mom had clinical depression. My grandma had clinical depression, similar... and it runs in my family. And it's genetic. And it's all kinds of. I was disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> She's human.
1: <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs>
0: so I'm standing there at a house meeting, and I'm talking about being the carriers of the presence of God. And how if we're saturated in the presence of God and the glory of the Lord is oozing out of us because we've been stirring up the presence in us, it doesn't matter what we do. We can just stand there and people are going to taste and see.
1: It's the aroma of God coming
0: out of your countenance. You know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm after. I'm just telling you that. So I was telling the story about how my husband and I went into Best Buy a couple of months, and I'm standing there, we're just looking at a TV, and a guy is standing there, and he's like, oh, it's hot. It's <laughs> hot. So I said, you know, you got to kind of understand my husband and I, like, he really believes in the the gifts of God and he believes in the Holy Spirit and the movement, but we're very different when it comes to it. I said, you know, like, when I get under the anointing and the Spirit of the Lord, I'm like on crack cocaine and he's (laughs) smoking (laughs) dope. And then I stopped, and I was like, there's redemption for everybody. (laughs) There's redemption for everybody. And so sometimes things do come out. Uh, There was one time Share with you before I close. I want to share with you the difference between being a soldier and being a warrior, because this whole weekend is being about being a warrior, right? And uh, I want to share with you briefly about the difference between a soldier is the one who is a militant follower of an organization, but on the other hand, a warrior exhibits bravery and courage under any given circumstances. In other words, a soldier is a fighter by profession, whereas a warrior exhibits great courage when the time comes for it. He is, he, is a, he is not a fighter by profession. He is a fighter by design. Come on now. I can't make this up. I can't put the spirit up here. Ah, a soldier is not used, he's not used figuratively. A warrior works for the betterment of the society as a whole. A soldier is paid, but a warrior is not. A warrior has the freedom to work outside the army, as he is not a paid member of the army like a soldier. Not every soldier goes to battle, but a warrior definitely rushes into the battlefield. David was a warrior while Saul's army were soldiers. And the warrior wear the armor of God that David had. In fact, remember, the king tried to put the world's armor on him. He was like, this is real. Ridiculous! This is the world's way of making me look confident, and it's too heavy for me to carry. And the world has a way that wants to captivate us when we talk about Colossians 2.8. Being taken captive means, means I'm being taken captive. I'm becoming enslaved. I'm being put in chains. But my God says, with the spirit of Armor of the world, because the armor that I wear is the identity of Christ, and my weapon is my choice.
1: That every day I'm not going
0: to just know who I am; I'm going to be who I am in Christ, and that's the choice you have. it's the choice you have. So it's fun that we're dressing up like warrior women. I got my warrior but I have to leave back there. Lovely lady, do my makeup. And we dress up like warriors, and we, you know, and that's fun, that's great. It's a picture, right? Of of what God has created us to be. And it's fun to kind of why? Because there's something in us that really wants to be that because it's in our design. But you can wear your warrior wear in this in the kingdom, your spiritual warrior wear, while you're dressed up in your hands or ways. Come on, ladies, and your big fat granny. Time of the month and you can in your diaper bag and I'm still feeling good and like a warrior because my warrior wear isn't the makeup that's on my face, it's the glory on my face. It's the countenance that I carry. It's not the weapons that I carry. It's the countenance that I carry. It's not the march, it's the choice. It's the act of being who you are in Christ. Father, we thank you. That you have given us the power to choose, that there's a shifting going on even in this room right now, that suddenly there's an empowerment rising from the floor up into the heart of who we are, that suddenly this isn't this far off idea that we know we have to try to achieve and I'm failing every day. But God, suddenly I feel an empowerment to say, Aha, I have an answer, and it's simple, and it's just one choice at a time, so I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because all I have to worry about is this moment, right here, right now, coming back to you, finding my truth, and choosing for me this day the blessing of the Lord, the truth of who I am, and then stepping forward and fighting my Goliath with confidence in knowing, that's my land. This is my ground, and you are not welcome here. You are not welcome in my heart. You are not welcome in my mind. You are not welcome in my family. You are not welcome in my finances. You are not welcome in my heart. You are not welcome in my past. You are not welcome in my present, and you are not welcome in my future. I do not receive you. I do not agree with you. You are a alive straight in the pit of hell. For my God is the God of all right now in Jesus name God you do it you do it we thank you God and we agree we are warriors I agree I am a warrior for Christ that there is no fear in me I do not have a spirit of timidity but I am bold I am confident I'm not confused I have a sound mind I don't hate, but I love. Listen, I'm just coming into an agreement with the Lord. This is what God says. And I stand high upon a height, and the enemy is beat as fine dust beneath my feet. And in my arms is a shield of victory. I agree with you, God. I agree with you, God. I bend a bow of bronze. I defy the natural. I lay hands on people, and they are healed. I take up serpents with my hand, and I tell them what to do. Huh. Come on, I'm just agreeing with scripture. See, sometimes you people look at me and go, I wish I could do
1: that. God says, I wish you would do it. (laughs) Stop
0: waiting on God to do what he's given you the power to do. Stop waiting on God to deliver you from your circumstance and start acting like you're delivered and watch that circumstance just dissipate. And I'm not telling you it's gonna go away, I'm telling you it's gonna become irrelevant. It's gonna become irrelevant. Ladies, you've been given a I, mean, I just kinda of shift in out of prayer I'm like, who am I talking to? <laughs> um, you've been given a piece of paper um, and you have written something on that. Am I accurate? Uh, I think there are some volunteers that have following There are some volunteers that are even coming forward now to light these candles. This lovely young warrior in Christ is gonna usher in the presence <laughs> of the Lord. The Lord truly does inhabit the praises of his people, does he not? You know, so we can just proclaim them, yes, God, you are here. You inhabit the praises of people that we enter into his courts by thanksgiving and praise. Again, that's a choice that we have. And I can preach all day long on those girls. Because it's what I do for a living. So you're going to, they're going to come forward. We're going to come forward as the song is playing. I'm just going to kind of quietly be up here just praying and interceding for you. And, um, you know, this is your opportunity to... Uh, let the past be the past. I love that um, Paul says, "Not that I've already been perfected, um, or but that I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me." He says, "Forget what is behind me, and I lean forward." And today is your day to lean forward. So we're not saying that we've been perfected, right? But because well, God's not interested in perfection, He's interested in our progression, right? He says, "Though a righteous man falls seven times, he just gets back up." <laughs> That's the right that we have in Christ. And so today is your opportunity to lean forward and to see the establishment that's already been done in you, the kingdom work that's already been done in the perfection of who you are in Christ, and stretch for that and reach for that. But in order to do that, listen, if you're going to let go of something, if you're going to grab hold of something new, you've got to let go of what you're holding on to. And and sometimes uh, we're held down by our mats, but sometimes we're holding our mats down. Uh, Because sometimes we get so comfortable with our uncomfortable thank you for tuning in to my podcast enforcing purpose with lisa schwartz for more information or to keep up on current events and products please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com